Hello, welcome to Health Trust Clinical Services Candid Conversations. This is a conversation series where we highlight clinicians, physicians, and supply chain clinical leaders who are innovating, caring for those in need, and working to improve human life. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be interviewing Health Trust clinical warriors, those that are on the front lines in this fight against COVID-19 who have demonstrated sacrifice and courage. Please visit healthtrustpg.com and send us submissions for clinical warriors you would like to recognize. In this conversation, we talk with Suzanne Ford, Vice President of Nursing Operations for the HCA Mid-America Division. She has been with HCA for 24 years and Amelia Ellsworth, critical care nurse at Centerpoint Medical Center in Independence, Missouri. Suzanne, Amelia, and 20 nurses from HCA Mid-America Division answered the call to board a plane, leave the comforts of their home and community, and join the front lines at Tulane Medical Center in a COVID hotspot. We talked about what it means to run toward danger, as nurses do on a daily basis. We cover what it means to be a nurse, how they're perceived, and the positives that might come out of this challenging time. So I'm Suzanne Ford. I'm the Vice President of Nursing Operations for uh, the Mid-America Division. My name is Amelia Ellsworth. I'm an intensive care nurse and have traveled been here in Tulane since Monday, the well, two Mondays ago. Well, it's so nice to meet you both, and I'm excited to hear about your perspective from the front lines of this COVID-19 crisis. To get started, tell me what you see today, and how did you hear about this opportunity for your nurses to go to Tulane and help them out? So. Um, we work very closely with the team in the division, obviously two lanes in our Mid-America division, and they called out to see if we could help. Um, and then a team of folks here at the division office kind of started um, asking for volunteers at the facilities uh, and then started making arrangements for those nurses to travel down to Tulane to help them out. How many nurses volunteered to go to Tulane? Um, we had over 200 nurses that uh, raised their hand or said that they would be able to come and travel to help where needed. So we had a great response. Wow. So that is surprising. Did you expect to have 200 nurses? Uh, you know, I don't think so. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a lot. And I think what was even more surprising was when we started calling these folks, um, the volunteers, it was an immediate, yes, I will come. Um, hardly any questions asked. Um, just, yes, I will come, I will help, I will do whatever I need. So it was it was a great show of the teamwork that we have um, amongst our nurses here in the Mid-America Division. Wow. So, Amelia, I have a question for you. So why would you take that call? You know, I've actually been asked this question a lot, and I, I still don't know if I have the perfect answer because it's hard to describe um, – it's hard to describe that feeling and that just kind of that gut instinct. I think all of us in medicine um, were people who, and especially in critical care and emergency medicine, were people who kind of run towards disaster every day. Um, you know, this, you know, these nurses and, and these men and women that I've worked with, this is, this is who we are as, as nurses, as healthcare providers, as physicians or EMTs. Um, that's what we do every day. And I, I don't know, I just, it, again, it's hard to describe that feeling. I got that call and I actually woke up to a text Friday morning from my boss and said, hey, this is something that they're 
meeting people for. And I think before I even took the sleep out of my eyes, I just said, absolutely, count me in. Um, you just have that sense of helping. That's, that's what we want. That's what we do um, the, every day. And so I don't think this is any exception for anybody that's down here. That's phenomenal. You know, I'm a nurse and my daughter is in nursing school and I cannot be more proud of the profession she's chosen. And I think about that question a lot. Why do nurses take these risks and and are so self-sacrificing? We think of police officers and firemen, and it's very obvious to us that, you know, they take that same um, step and are very self-sacrificing themselves, going straight to the fire where everybody else is running away or in the line of fire when everybody else is um, looking for safety. Nurses do the same thing. It's such a hard question. Why do we do it? I don't know why either. It's a really hard question. <laughs> it's so hard. And yeah, I, I've had so many people ask me whether it's been for, you know, interviews or just my family. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, you know, every day, even on a normal day, you know, you never show up to have an easy day. You know, none of us ever go to work to, to just sit around and, you know, babysit patients. We're all there to, to fight a fight every day. But, um, and when your when your team is in trouble, like it doesn't matter. Suzanne said it perfectly. We work so cohesively as a division. That's something that I've been privileged to be a part of and, and to see really in motion. And yeah, I mean this is this is your team, just like it's my team back home. You know, and you're not going right. to sit by while your while your team is in trouble. Suzanne, I have a question for you. I feel like nurses have always been appreciated. But how do you think this pandemic changes how the community sees nurses? I think this um, pandemic has really shown the strength of nurses, uh, the flexibility of nurses. Um, and it's definitely also showed, you know, um, how, how amazing they are. Um, we've had nurses, again, travel from one state to another. We've had nurses um, that are retraining that have been in outside of the acute hospital areas to work and help in the acute hospital. Um, I, I just think it speaks to um, the flexibility of those nurses, um, the trust that the community again has um, because the nursing is who's with you 24 seven in the hospital. Um, so it just shows that strength and that flexibility and that willingness to care. Yeah, I completely agree. Amelia, what are your thoughts? Honestly, Suzanne said that one pretty perfectly. Um, <laughs> one one thing that she, she has a wonderful way with words. I think that uh, yeah, I mean, you know, all of us here on the on the phone are nurses, and uh, you know, I, I think that it will change. I think I've you know, we all have those hard days, regardless of whether there's a pandemic going on. There are always incredibly ill people. We're the you know, and we're with them twelve hours. We have that that trust in the relationships with them. And, you know, and that's, it's going to be a change, I think, to see how, how that perception is now versus before. So, so, you know, we're inundated every day with stories around COVID-19 diagnosis and death rates. The national news is constantly telling many times the negative stories. What positive stories do you think we could tell? What positive changes do you think will come from this pandemic? One of the, the positives that the pandemic has shown from my perspective um, is really how the the hospital and the healthcare system, you know, in HCA can mobilize um, and work together and be pointed towards 
um, a singular goal. I don't think I've been with HCA 24 years. I don't remember ever having anything like this happen. I remember, um, you know, tornadoes or hurricanes, but this is something completely different, right? Where um, everything is has been affected from the outpatient practices, and so I think um, this is going to change the way we do business um, moving forward. But it's it's just been incredible, incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think from um, just the the bedside nurse perspective, um, and and a little bit deeper, I think that um, you know again Suzanne's right. I mean this is going to change the way medicine looks for years. Um, what I'm hoping that it does for us though is you know not even just HCA. I think I think she said it perfectly. You know. Um, having such a widespread reach is so wonderful in moments like this for mobilization or sharing resources, um, all of those things. But I, I hope that it helps us better prepare for, you know, I mean, disease will always be here. And, uh, and I think the, the greatest fear that we we've received from the media or just what we've seen in our day-to-day -day lives is that it's just this massive unknown situation. You know, we don't know, you know, you wake up every morning and the news is different from the day before. And so I'm, I'm hoping that um, that this will give us just some, a, a higher level of preparedness uh, should we ever have to react and mobilize like this again. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about, um, one of the things I have seen, and I feel like our, our clinical nurses here at Health Trust have been trying to type up clinical guidance as fast as their hands could go is around <laughs> all this innovation that has come up during this <laughs> pandemic. And then, you know, uh -huh. we're of course asked, you know, is this clinically okay? And unfortunately some of them no, but a lot of them, yes. Uh, a lot of new ways like telemedicine has come into play in a really big way. Um, reprocessing has come into um, their decontamination of reprocessing has come into mm -hmm. uh, play. You know, what do you all think about, have you seen innovation in at Tulane or in your hospital? So I think one of the, one of the things that is so hard um, for when the nurses from Kansas City came down to Tulane, one of the things that I know they struggled with was um, you can't, you're not in the patient's room as much as possible, right? Um, and and yeah. it's, it's anti-nurse, yeah. right, to not... <laughs> Yes. at the bedside talking to that <laughs> and having that contact and sharing that compassion and it's been so hard so I think some of the things um, that folks have been able to work with it along the lines of telemedicine are using cell phones for FaceTime to talk to patients right um, yeah. I know we're doing that both in um, the north and the south where we have iMobile that's been extremely helpful so that um, mm -hmm. patients can text them but those types of things to continue to make that connection with the patient um, I think have been extremely helpful um, for the nursing perspective and for that personal touch perspective um, and being able to really connect with those patients. Amelia, I'm not sure you might have seen some other things. Um, no, I think that's, I actually, that I did not know um, that we were doing that with patients and that just makes me, that made me so happy to hear that we're, that there's hospitals where they're texting their patients. That's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, and most of, I, I haven't, I'm trying to think, I've maybe had I've had one patient the last two weeks that has not been on a ventilator. Um, but I think even mm -hmm. in just what I've really seen down here is ways that we um, uh, communicate with families as well. That's been, you know, yes. 
as nurses, we're, we're whole body. And it is so hard for, you know, even ventilated patients. I firmly believe that short of, you know, complete sedation and paralysis, you know, I, I always speak to my patients. Um, I, I believe they can hear us a good, a good majority of the time and, and they're full of feeling and everything. And I can't imagine what that would be like to be stuck in that situation day in, day out. So um, families are a huge part of, I believe getting our, our patients well and helping them feel safe and, and be okay while they're in the hospital. And right now we, we cannot allow that simply for, um, for safety reasons, for our staff, for our patients and for their families. And so it's been really great for me here at Tulane. They have a, a kind of a clinical liaison who calls the family with updates. Um, you know, of course we do speak to them with any, um, you know, major changes in clinical course or, or concerns. Um, we have the physicians speak with them, but I think that's been great that the family has been able to go through that clinical liaison, helps them feel safe. Um, I've had conversations on the phone where the family will, you know, tell me, oh, hey, you know, please go in there and, and tell my mom, you know, whatever. And, and yeah, and we're able to, to go in and kind of bridge that connection. So I, I think we're learning new ways to connect, whether it's with our patients, our families, um, even among medical personnel, you know, trying to mitigate who's in that room and really trusting each other with our assessments and, and what we're seeing as well. Absolutely. And it's, you know, uh, every single time I, I see a nurse speak about their experience, it's it's crazy mm -hmm. to me. But then again, it's not because I am a nurse. <laughs> but, you know, that we're not focusing on maybe their, um, we are, but we're not talking about their um, diagnosis as much as we're talking about the need for human connection and that they're alone and how hard that is. That seems to be the part that is that is our nurses are struggling with the most, or at least we hear about that the most. Um, and and mm -hmm. the families are struggling with the most. So I, I do, I agree. Mm -hmm. I think anything we can do to help bridge that gap and still keep, we're yeah. humans. We need relationships. We, we, need human we are, you know, right. Well, and as, you know, I mean, I can take care of, you know, from, from a, a medical standpoint, you know, there's really, we've got some very high, highly trained nurses, amazing physicians, um, you know, when you're talking about dealing with the, the machine that a body is, right? Uh, we right. can do that all day, day in, day out. And, uh, and it's easy for the human person in there sometimes to get, to get lost. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about nursing. I mean, Florence Nightingale opened windows for crying out loud. She changed the world <laughs> with that, you know, just because of that. I've realized, I mean, it's true. Um, and, you know, and, right. and so we've really just, you know, that's, that's part of our job too. We cannot forget the, the person that's inside of all of that. That's right. So I've got to ask the question. I, I love Louisiana and I love Missouri and Kansas. Uh -huh. Very different places. I got to travel to both of them quite often. <laughs> How have you been accepted into the, the community there with nurses um, there? <laughs> You know, it's crazy, and it's one of those. I'm I'm a person of faith. I'm, I believe in you know fate, whatever you want to believe it, uh, call it. I guess um, it was. I mean, day two down here, we were on the floor, and you know, we flew in Monday. We were on the floor Tuesday with um, you know just kind of getting the lay of the land and working with these patients. And by the end of the day, I felt like I'd worked here for a month. I don't know how to describe that. You just know when you're in the right place, and they've all been 
so kind. And you know, we both, we, I think that we all have that kind of very hospitable culture um, here between the Midwest and New Orleans. This whole area of the country is a very yeah. hospitable area. And there's something that happens to people when you kind of bring people together in a crisis. You very quickly mesh and uh, figure out how to work together and, and you know, appreciate each other more. So I think that's a really nice thing. But I, I just can't tell you. I'm not going to get emotional. Um, just how kind and, um, what, you know, one of the nurses, like, brought me pasta <laughs> that she made for dinner um, for her family. Like, she brought everybody some pasta. Um, I had a, a couple of the nurses, they took me out fishing. I had a couple days off down here, and they took me fishing um, and have a couple chances to just really kind of get a peep into people's lives. Everybody's just been, I, I have not had one, I cannot say one bad thing about anybody that I've met here. In the position that I'm in, I'm so lucky that I get to travel between all of our hospitals. Um, mm -hmm. And it was really profound for me to see, um, you know, nurses from the Kansas City area and the nurses from the New Orleans area working together. Um, it was just absolutely amazing. They they blended in, they um, just kind of really formed a team. And I, it was just great to see, you know, um, that the culture was transferable from one place to another of teamwork mm -hmm. and compassion and um, helping each other. And so it was, um, it was a very proud moment. You know, Suzanne, you touched on something earlier about, I remember when we had um, last year in one of the hurricanes, um, I guess it was Hurricane Harvey, but we had a couple of our nurses completely lose their home and uh, the hospital was actually shut down also. And so we had to move. We were able to easily move some of our nurses to Gainesville, Florida, to one of our other locations, hospitals, and they were able to pick up, go into this new hospital and continue to be nurse navigators, both virtually for their hot, their, um, their, people in Florida, but then, or uh, Southern Florida, but then also for, they were able to help with the hospitals that had a real need um, in Gainesville. That, that's such a, a wonderful thing for HCA and their footprint to be able to really not only take care of their employees, but also be able to take care of their patients across all communities. How have you, have you seen that here too? I, I'm, I'm sure you have, but kind of explain how you've seen HCA's advantage in that. Um, I think one of the big advantages, um, again, was the similarities of the system. So uh, we did have uh, that we've had three groups go down to um, Tulane from Kansas City. And, and thankfully, obviously, the medical record is the same. Um, there's a lot of the same systems, processes. Um, so that portability was, I think, key to helping do this for, for the staff, right? Um, if we had different systems or you know, policies or programs, it would not have been such an easy move. Um, but I think with a little over orientation to the floors and to um, making sure they had the right access, um, once the teams figured out where things, you know, geographically were on the floors, I think they, they folded in really well. And I think that's one of the great things that our company does. It does standardize so that in cases like this, um, it makes that move a whole lot easier. Great. Yeah, I, I mean, I I agree, and you know, one of the biggest fears that um, yeah, I'm I'm an ICU nurse. I've always joked around, but it's totally true. I am way too OCD to do 
absolutely anything else. Um, and so, you know, and especially on these critical patients, Susanna starts laughing. She knows, she knows it's true. Um, but she, she's seen me. She knows my, she knows my problems. But, um, you know, I, uh, coming, you know, traveling to a new area at a new place, your biggest fear as far as, or at least mine, um, if I don't know process, if I am getting thrown feet first into a place that is completely unfamiliar, um, maybe new EHR, you know, whatever the situation is, but even how to call a doctor, right? If I'm not familiar with any of those processes, how am I going to take good care of my patient? You know, I can do the best I can do, but we all know that we're taking better care of our, our folks and our, and our patients when we can, you know, know who to call, know the lay of the land, have a similar and comfortable system, because then we can just do our jobs, right? Um, right. It saves so much time. Those seconds add up for these people and for us. And um, and that's one thing that I mean, I'll just second again, what Suzanne said, I love working for this company in situations like this, because we don't have to hesitate. We can snap fingers and make things happen um, for our teams and our patients that really need it. We do see you as um clinical you know warriors we see you as our heroes um and we're just so grateful and thankful for the sacrifice that you guys have made do you consider yourself a hero a warrior uh no ma'am yeah i don't <laughs> yes so i would say no <laughs> um i um i don't know this is just what i do um and so i don't I'm no, I don't. I wouldn't say that I do. Well, uh, that's the only area where I'll just have to tell you you're wrong. You are, <laughs> and we're so thankful um, that you're protecting, you know, our patients and then protecting our communities and and just being so selfless. Selfless leadership. Um, you talked a little bit about your faith earlier, or that you the faith that you mm -hmm. have. I believe that selfless yeah. leadership is shining through for our organization in such a big way. Last question for you guys. Um, you know, we're really trying to extend a word of hope. So if you could give mm -hmm. a message to hope to others on the front lines um, that are doing what you're doing, what, what would it be? We are going to get through this. Um, we do have um, great people behind us, like you said, making sure we have the right equipment making sure we have the right human resources, the right education and information. Um, and I think that word of hope is, is trusting in the systems that we have um, and processes we put in place and knowing um, that we are all a team and want the best for our staff and for the patients um, because that is always our focus. This will end. Like, you know, I, and I think all of us, that are working on the floors and working with these patients, um, you know, we, we know that this, this isn't going to be forever. And I, I think that, you know, we're, you know, we're starting to get, you know, glimpses of good news coming out of, out of these hotspots, out of New Orleans, out of New York. And um, I just think, honestly, you know, it's hard to think about hope in a, in a long-term sense when you're just, waking up every day, rolling out of bed, going to work, rinse, lather, repeat, and, and all the, all the things that we're having to do with these patients. But, um, sometimes hope is actually just, uh, just having the faith to get up and do it again the next day. 
And, you know, you do that for enough days and eventually the, you know, it's passed. So I think that, you know, just, just knowing that it's going to be there, knowing also just that it sometimes in those moments, in those smaller moments and in those day to day things, it doesn't feel like you're making a difference, but just to take some time and just say that, you know, just acknowledge that you are, um, there's not a day goes by pandemic or not that nurses and doctors don't make a difference for, for our patients and everybody's part of that, that same team. And so I think that most of us, at least in my experience down here, the resilience is just incredible, but we all go to bed um, and we're able to sleep because we're knowing that, you know, you know that you're doing your best and, and that's all you can, all you can do. And it's good enough. It really is. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Well, you've made my day better. <laughs> Just on the phone here, what you all are saying. Oh. Really awesome. Please visit healthtrustpg.com and send us submissions for clinical warriors you would like to recognize. I hope you appreciate and draw as much inspiration as we did from this conversation with Suzanne and Amelia.